Water and Stone Church podcast. This is episode number 68, and I am Jenny Randolph. And I am Dita Randolph, and this is the sound of my voice. And as we gather around this time, there's a few things that we want to talk about. It is Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, so, you know, happy Memorial Day weekend. Just as I said this morning uh, during the Sunday service, it's not just uh, National Barbecue Day. I really want to give special thanks to everybody who served in our armed forces, everybody who's stepped up to uh, to protect our freedoms, everybody who's had a relative who served because you you serve too in a certain way. And so we're just really, really grateful. And as I said this morning, you know, I hope that we use the freedoms that we have in, a, in order to work for some peace. Well, I also, you know, we have Veterans Day in November. Mm-hmm. And what that really is about is that's thanking everybody that served. But Memorial Day is just that. It's, it's keeping the memory in for the people that have made the ultimate sacrifice. Indeed. So so that's that's really really what it's about and um it's nice to remember that. I know sometimes people can get it confused. Yeah, yeah, and and I want to I want to do both, you know, at the well, same sure, time. Well, absolute, sure, you know. absolutely, absolutely. Anytime you get an opportunity to say thank you, I think that you should take it. But for sure. just for clarification, you know, mm-hmm. it is it is for the servicemen and women who have died, you know, in overseas and here and all different other places and various wars and and things like that so you know it's sad that we have to have a day well and i think that the ultimate way to show respect is to envision a day where we won't have to do this anymore you know and so let's work for that agreed but however you're spending your memorial day um you know, have try to have a happy one. We have a tropical storm coming through, or it has gone through. Yeah, at this we're point. fine, and and it's really good. I think that it's actually going to be a gorgeous day uh, tomorrow, Memorial Day for everybody. And and I'm happy to say that uh, my son Miles and I uh, we went out the other day and we bought a grill, and we spent uh, far more time yesterday than I think a normal person would spend uh, putting it together. It was really good. It was good to to be out there with my boy doing man stuff and all that kind of a thing. And it's, uh, it was pretty cool. You know, we, uh, we, uh, surprised the household with it the other night and, uh, we're going to have some veggie burgers and all that kind of stuff. I was going to say, most people don't think of a household of vegetarians wanting a grill. But... Well, it's been a long time. We've been in this house forever and we just yeah, finally yeah, got a grill. Yeah, so just kind of you know, experimenting stuff. But I have to tell you that now that they're coming out with more products, um, you know that that are able to be on a grill it makes it a really it makes it easier not that we could grill veggies before yeah. and stuff like that but you know yeah but it was kind of lame you know yeah. it's at this point you're not missing anything by having the vegetarian alternative it doesn't feel like an alternative we've gotten to this place where it feels like a first choice and there's really good stuff we had a uh, we had a beach cleanup a couple weeks ago and I, you know, we've talked about it, and we actually had a barbecue as part of that, and that's kind of what got the 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 bug in my ear. To yeah, go I get think Miles was like, "This is really cool. Yeah, he, I well, want to keep doing this." He did this. the grilling for everybody, mm-hmm. but we had it was all vegetarian because that's really important to us. And uh, we had some uh, some carnivores there, and one of them had one of our veggie burgers and said, two. I could, I could eat this every day." Yeah, and so that was a two. you know Sounds that was a, a little bit of a victory, a little bit yeah, of victory. Absolutely, a little compassion in the world. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. So, so that's uh, going to be a big part of our Memorial Day tomorrow, and we're we're grateful for that. 
So uh, yesterday, we went to the Salvador Dali Museum. If you know anything about St. Petersburg, Florida, the finest city on the face of the earth, you know that one of the many claims to fame uh, of this town is we have uh, one of the largest collections of Salvador Dali's paintings. I think the only other place that has more is the museum in Salvador Dali's hometown. I mean, we it's a huge, beautiful museum. It's been voted one of the top 10 museums in the world by several magazines and, you know, that kind of thing. And it really is gorgeous. And as is often the case, uh, when you live in a town that has a famous something, you hardly ever go to the thing. You, you know, you do it when family comes down or whatever. But we just decided yesterday was uh, the end of they've had a special exhibit with um, Duchamp, who's the father of Dadaism. Uh, he's really famous. There's a painting of the Mona Lisa with a mustache on mm-hmm. it. If you, if you don't know anything else about him, there's that and some other kind of well, the most challenging famous thing works. is yeah. is the urinal and yeah, and stuff that's like that, sort of anti art, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, but. I'm not especially into surrealism, but I think that there's some real moments there where I really enjoy going to the Dali Museum when we get a chance to go because even though it's not my favorite kind of art, at least I understand this is how he felt and there's something going on here and there's something is there is something moving and powerful and beautiful about what he was trying to do. And I have to say, I'm a big fan of authenticity. And so here's a guy that yep. really lived what he was trying to say. I mean, through and through. What must it have been like to just have dinner with Salvador Dali? You know, one of those things. And uh, so it was really neat to get to be there. But it's it's especially fun for us, I think, because where we have our church services now is the building where the Dali Museum was originally. Mm-hmm. And where they are now is a much bigger room and they, you know, bigger building rather, and they have room to show all the art where before they could only show certain bits at a time and the rest was circulated and out of storage and all that kind of thing. But it was a funny moment yesterday. I was standing in front of, there's a couple of his paintings that just really knock me out. And I was standing in front of one of them and remembering what it was like to be a little kid standing in front of that same painting on a field trip from school in the room that where we, now we have, have church, church now. Right, I so know. what a funny... I, yeah, I had that yeah. same moment because if you lived anywhere in Pinellas County... Yeah, it was a school you took, field trip. Yeah, you yeah. took a field trip to the Dolly Museum, absolutely. absolutely. So it was a little bit of a, you know, nostalgia yesterday and a little bit of... Um, I, I did, I fangirled over, <laughs> you know, which is really funny to say that, but it's, it's it really is. It's, so like being, it's like meeting a celebrity or something, being in the room with some of these Absolutely, these works, yeah. absolutely. But there was a postcard from Man Ray to Salvador Dali in his hand and he was he was writing something to him and I just was like oh my goodness you know these people talked and they communicated and they lived in this world and I just thought wow that is just so neat you know that was the I and I know through all the beautiful pieces of artwork and everything else that, that was, was going the thing on, that stuck out for you that little postcard that was handwritten just that was it for me and I was like oh I was so happy that they included that well and for me I saw that I thought that was really cool and I'm a big fan of inside baseball you know when the artist or the performer or the writer or the whatever isn't presenting their stage thing it's the behind the scenes it's the process it's the people living their Mm -hmm. life the biography moment of that and so I really did love that and I loved being in the room with the with the uh the Mona Lisa with the mustache and all Mm -hmm. that I didn't I never thought I'd be in the room with it because usually it's I don't know wherever they France or whatever I think it's in London I think they keep I think this 
the all of the um, Duchamp stuff is kept in London. But but regardless, I've seen it in books and magazines, and you know, over the years, kind of a famous piece. And so that was kind of a neat moment for me. But I have to say that in one of the rooms, they had the Surrealist Manifesto, and it was in two columns. It was a lot of writing, and I walked in the room. And it's in French. And I had French in college, but to be honest, I, my heart wasn't in it. Some of it stuck, it. some of it yeah, didn't, yeah. yeah. But I'm sitting there really trying to read it, and I'm, I'm doing okay. You know, not perfect, obviously, but I'm, I'm picking up bits and pieces enough to kind of figure out what's being said. And, oh, yeah, okay, that's what that means. And you have to kind of go jump back and forth a little bit. And so it took me a while to get all the way to the bottom of the first column. But I was like, you know, that's pretty cool. I can, I can do this, sort of patting myself on the back for feeling like, okay, I'm not a complete idiot i can i can get through and then i realized the second column was the same thing but in english so it's just nice. i think that my takeaway was take a minute here big yeah. picture time right but i guess i was in that introspective introspective moment where i was really trying to look closely and i was in the one foot view instead of the ten thousand foot view right. of it but uh yeah what a typical me kind of a moment you know talk about forest for the trees that's all right that's okay we still love you i hope so like to introduce the water and stone worship service for may 27 2018 the title of this lesson is called the door and it is the fourth in the i am series so the scripture today comes from john 10 9 i am the door if anyone enters through me he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture now that seems like a weird thing to say I'm a door. The only time I've encountered that phrase is when I was standing in front of the television and someone said, you make a better door than a window. It doesn't really apply here. And in fact, to us, it seems, what are they talking about? What is that? And in fact, that phrase, I am the door, has led an awful lot of people to decide that Christianity, that the, the mission and the ministry of Jesus Christ is all about exclusion. A lot of times, people see that door, and in their mind's eye, they see it closed. And they decide that to be a Christian means leaving some people out. And you've encountered that. You've encountered that from within the Christian church, and you've encountered it when you tell other people that on Sunday morning, you're not sleeping in. Oh, I don't go to church. That's exclusive in all of the worst ways. You've encountered it both ways, even though, I didn't put it up on the screen, but the next line involves, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And who's the you that he's talking to? It's everybody. Over and over again, the ministry of Jesus Christ, the mission is everybody. He tells the disciples, go tell everybody. And while the religious authorities of the day might have been very exclusive, you got to have a special club and a special credit rating. We only let deacons of 700 and over in. Jesus was hanging out with people who were outcasts, right? You know this. This is the ministry. This is the mission. And so it has nothing to do with leaving people out. But, like a lot of things, it has a lot to do with what we bring to it. Isn't that always the way? What we experience is what we bring to it. So ask yourself, when I imagine a door, how do you see it in your mind's eye? When you picture a door, do you see it? Because that's the thing. If you see that door closed, maybe you've got something to work on. Maybe you just hit it, but we're like 30 seconds in. Maybe you already figured out your homework for the week. 
Because if you see that door closed, that's all it will be for you. But the thing that I want you to know is that doors were meant for going through. Doors were meant for going through. And as it turns out, you are meant for going through doors. I want you to think about some times in your life when you were at the verge of some kind of transition, when you were getting ready to go through something. Maybe you were interviewing for a job or getting fired from one. Maybe you were getting ready to get married or getting ready to be in the delivery room. Maybe something big was going to happen when you were on the verge of something, graduating from something. Those moments where, here we go, and that deep breath before the, the jump. In those moments, you are the most real version of you. The truth about you is witnessed in those moments of transition, in those moments of going through something, in those moments where the old pretense, the old ideas, the old identity, not you anymore. The truth about you is in that journey. Not in where you used to be, not even where you're going, but rather in that moment of that's when you are the most authentic version of who you are because that is where God lives. Above and beyond any kind of label of I'm this or I'm that, just is, just a happening. That's when you are the realest version of you. Think about how it feels. Sometimes it's a scary moment. But scaring is good too sometimes because it forces us to drop the old stuff and run. You know? Either way, I'll take it. Because what I want, what God wants from us is authenticity. Thank God for those authentic moments of transition. Now, when Jesus says to us, I am the door, it might seem weird because we don't have the context. But it's important to understand that the people that Jesus was talking to absolutely knew what he was talking about. I mean, he had just gotten done talking about shepherds and sheep, and he's going to talk more about it in a minute. It's a sheep thing. We wouldn't understand but the people there absolutely did. That would be a weird t-shirt. The people out there absolutely <laughs> did know what he was talking about. As it turns out, when shepherds would take their flocks out into the, out into the wilderness, and they have an overnight trip, they would set up, it's just, there'd be all over the place, like we'd see a KOA campground or a, a Cracker Barrel now. They'd just have uh, like a corral made of stone. And they would just set up and it would just be there. And there'd be only one way in or out, one opening. And the idea is, for the nighttime, you'd put all of your sheep in the corral, and the shepherd would lay across that open place and sleep there. The idea is, I am the door. I'm here to protect. And when I become the door, it has to do with being a shepherd. It has to do with taking care of. And everybody in that crowd knew exactly what he was talking about. For them, it's not about staying in front of the TV. I mean, I'm a history buff, but I'm pretty sure TV hadn't been invented. The idea is, as always, what Jesus is doing is saying, you know that thing you know, that thing that you're really familiar with? Let's take it and make it bigger. You know that thing that you're already familiar with, like being the door? It's more than that. It's something bigger. Isn't that what always what he does? He says, you know that way you feel about your kids when you're being a good parent, how you love your kids? That's how God feels about you. You know how you're a fisherman, fisher person? I will make you fishers of people. Over and over again, Jesus' mode of operation is to say, that, that thing you know, don't reject it, but just open it up at the top. Because there's so much more about what you already are that can change everything. Take where you are and go from there. That's always what Jesus does. And so the idea here is, 
Just like the shepherd is the door, the way in and out, there's something that you're thinking about. There is grass that really is greener on the other side. There's something that you want to go and do. You're tired of spinning your wheels. You're ready for something else. Everybody is because that's our nature to grow and to break through boundaries. There's something you're working on. And what Jesus is saying to us, just like he was saying to them, is the only way through is the I am. The only way through is this stuff I'm talking about, Jesus is saying. The only way through is understanding that you are not just your material possessions. You are not the labels that you pick up. You are a child of God. And the only way is this way. Everything else is just running around in that corral like a little kid on the playground and you get dizzy after a while. It's time to reach escape velocity. It's time to know something different about yourself. The I am that Jesus teaches is the way through. But to choose that means thinking differently about who we are, what we are, and how all of it works. To choose that means identifying with something different. You've been taught, I've been taught, we've been taught to identify with, to uphold and celebrate things that hold still. We've been taught about stability. Think for a moment about some things that don't move. Can you really identify with them? What are some things that just hold still? Do they, do they make your heart sing? How was that movie? Oh, nothing happened. It was awesome. You know what holds still? Doornails, if you know what I mean. Death is holding still, and it's not who you are. The more we try to identify with things that don't move, the more we feel dead inside. And if you're feeling stuck, maybe that's why. Maybe the goals are in the wrong spot. And now we know that, that if we have the right scientific equipment, we can look at something even like a brick or a rock that seems inert and find out that there's life and activity and motion and erosion and things happening, even in things that seem still. As it turns out, there's nothing that holds still in the world. And so that is an illusion. To try to identify with stability and stagnation is not who we are. No wonder it's so frustrating. And science is just starting to figure out something that, that spirit has been all about forever. Something that every kid knows about. Kids know how to move. Thank God for the wiggles. Not just the band, although I'm a fan. <laughs> but thank God for that inability to hold still. There's something divine in that. I don't know if you saw, I wrote an article on the blog about why we have kids in here. That's part of it. Because kids teach us to keep moving. When you take a kid to Disney, they want to go on the you know what I mean? Adults want to drive. Kids want to go on the ride. And there's something beautiful and, in fact, spiritual about that value. Can you be in for the ride? Can you stop having God be the co-pilot and can you scoot over? There's something beautiful about that moment. Think about when you were a kid and you had that feeling. And everybody I've talked to who's ever been a child has had this moment, that moment of saying, I am bigger than my body. And it's not some woo-woo thing. It's not what I mean. It's not any kind of te uh, telepathy sort of weird stuff. I'm not talking about vibes and energy. I'm talking about the idea that right now I can't reach the cookie jar, but I'm gonna. Right now I can't run as fast as my classmates, but I'm gonna. There is this moment of realizing that what you think about me isn't the whole truth about me. I am bigger than my body. It is something that every child knows about. And in fact, every child has experienced the frustration and the sweet elation 
about knowing that where I am now is such a small part of who I am on the inside. I am bigger than my body. Children know how to identify, not with the holding still, not with the outer container, but rather with the happening of life. There's something beautiful about getting back to that place. Adults try and hold still. Adults try to pop the brakes. Adults try to identify with stability and they define themselves by their credit rating or, or what they do for a living or where they've been or whatever. And all of that is pretend. As it turns out, kids are authentic. Adults pretend. Isn't that funny? The kid will tell you the truth. Adults tell you what they think you want to hear. Isn't that funny? And I got to tell you, every midlife crisis Every moment of frustration, every moment when an adult just feels stuck and they don't know what the answer is, I guarantee can be traced back to that feeling of trying to hold still and identify with something that ain't the truth about you. To try to fit the universe into this little container of your body, your moment, your job. Some people don't know how to deal with that frustration of containment, and so they medicate with, well, all kinds of things people medicate with. Sometimes it's just drama. Sometimes it's you work the job, you watch TV, you have a stoppers, you go to bed, you do it again. And that anesthetic that culture provides just keeps people spinning and keeps people spinning when the truth about you is so much bigger. The truth about you is that you are a happening. That's how I want you to identify yourself from now on. Try it out. See if it works for you. The truth about you is not your body. It's not your job. It's not your money or lack thereof. It's not who likes you and who doesn't like you. It's not the drama of your family. The truth about you is that you are a happening. Because God doesn't hold still, right? So the truth about you, the child of God this about you, is that you're happening right now. Not happen, not going to happen, but happening. There's something beautiful about in fact, there's something spiritual about that. When you think about religious stuff, rites of passage and ceremonies, they're all about celebrating the happening. That moment when you're not a child, but you're not an adult, that moment in between is celebrated as if to say, that's where God is. That moment when you're not single and you're not married yet. That moment when you're outside and there's the holy water and you go inside or the mezuzah on the, on the door or whatever it is. That moment of in-betweenness. It's not a protection. It's a celebration. Because guess what? You can't own God intellectually, right? God is more than what you can understand. Unknowable in that way of knowing, putting a cap on something, right? God is more. And so in those moments where I don't know what I am, I'm in between, I'm something that is undefinable, I can't put my finger on it, that's where God lives. And every rite of passage is a way of saying we're going to commemorate this in-between moment because that's where you are in that thin space where God is closer. Celebrate that moment. That's the root of every religious ceremony. But, you know, over time, with a little bit of fear, a little bit of commercialism, when religion becomes a trade and develops trade secrets, all of that stuff, it goes from a celebration of the unknown because that's where God is. Oh, thank God for the moments when I didn't know. It goes from that beautiful, mystical, spiritual, falling in love moment into a moment of, well, we better protect that moment when I don't know what you are because I've got to be able to define you. I've got to be able to put you in a box so that I know what to expect from you. 
But you know what I mean. Some people get turned off by religion because they're tired of being pigeonholed. But that same idea of let me hold still infects all kinds of parts of life. When the truth about you, the happening of you, cannot be defined, cannot be contained, and sure isn't anything to be protected against. Ask yourself, how many times has a ceremony, religious or secular, protected me from faith? You know what I mean when I say that? I mean, think about it. Sometimes people say, I do these things, whether it's a religious thing, do the hokey pokey and turn yourself around, whether it's, whether it's these things I buy, these things I do, the forms I fill out, the, the way that I report to the world my status, spiritual or secular or everything. How many times do people do those things because they are afraid of the unknown? Think about it. But if the unknown is where God lives, if the unknown is where faith lives, so much of what people do is to protect themselves from faith. If you feel far from your miracles, if you feel far from God, ask yourself, have I been putting on my armor? Have I been trying to protect myself from moments where I don't know? Because the I don't know is the moment of happening, is the moment when the universe is created, is the moment when you are created. Stop trying to protect yourself from faith. True love happens when you get out of the way, guys. So how can you get out of the way? We stand at this doorway where I am the door, says Jesus. We stand at this place, and here's the thing that I want you to know. The old version of you, the old ideas about what was important and who did what to who, and the container that we put ourselves in, the old things can't come with us through this doorway. So it becomes a question of what are you willing to let go of? If you want to experience the divine, if you want to see miracles, if you just want a life that works, let's start where we start. If you want a life that works instead of something I have to work, you know what I mean? There's a difference. If you want functional life, you've got to go through that door, man, and that means letting go of the things that aren't true. It means choosing something different, and you've got to choose it. You go through this door alone. I mean, God is there with you. But you gotta go through the door alone. No one can make you. And doesn't that stink? <laughs> Isn't that terrible? That no one can just pull you through that? Have you ever tried to do that for somebody? I've had people try to do that for me, and I've been on both sides of that, and it's like the poltergeist movie, except it never works. Nothing happens. You can't pull somebody through because the choices that we make choose us. The decisions that I make absolutely filter the kind of life I experience. I'll give you an example. If I decide that everybody is a selfish liar, well, it doesn't matter what anybody says to me. I'm going to decide, oh, that's what a selfish liar would say. You know what I mean? If I decide that God is somewhere else, it doesn't matter how beautiful life is right in front of me. I'm going to filter through that and go, oh, well, I was lucky that day. If I decide that miracles are somewhere else, that people are just no good, that no matter what it is, it's not right for me, that I don't belong, no matter what happens to me, no matter how beautiful, it doesn't matter. I'm going to filter it through this wall that I have built up. That's why you can't change somebody else's mind. You ever try? Don't try it. It stinks. Unless you like our you can't change somebody's mind. As it turns out, that decision has got to come from inside of us. As it turns out, you can't get something you don't already have. You can't
can't go somewhere you haven't already been. But the good news is that the truth about you, the real of you, is already on the other side of that wall calling to you. The good news is that you already have everything you need in order to grow. No more trying to go get. Start being it. The happening of you can break through. Something will happen, easy way or hard way. Something will happen, and you know that moment, because it's not just a one-time thing. Something will happen, and you go, wait a minute. I have been hypnotized, fooled into believing that, that life is just how much money I have. I've been hypnotized into thinking that the whole part, the whole me of me is this body. And then when things don't work physically, I'm shattered. I have been hypnotized into thinking that it's this job, and then you get laid off or whatever. Something amazing happens when we decide, just like in the stage shows, and the hypnotist snaps their finger and they go, wait a minute, what was I thinking? You ever had that moment where you look back and you go, why was that important to me? You woke up a little bit. Did you know you can keep doing that? Did you know that you are allowed? Did you know that the universe is calling you to go and do and be a little closer to that happening that is you? There's something amazing that happens when we get pulled out of it. And I'll tell you, it happens all kinds of ways. You can get fired and realize that what you thought was important isn't. You can get married, get divorced. A doctor can put a baby in your arms. You can go to a funeral. You can do all kinds of things, happy, sad, and everywhere in between. And I grieve with you and I celebrate with you. But at the end of the day, let us rejoice together because those moments cause us to remember who we are. There's something beautiful about deciding, about choosing, about knowing. I mentioned this in the men's group the other day. There's a Facebook group that I'm a part of. It's like called I Love St. Peter. Is it St. Peter Great or something like that? There's a bunch of them, and I agree. And they show pictures. Basically, they post pictures of like Web City. If you've been around for a while, you remember <laughs> showboat dinner theater. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And somebody posted a picture of the inside of Parkside Mall. It was Panola Square Mall. Now it's a Target and a Chipotle and whatever, and that's fine. But it used to be a mall with an ice rink and all kinds of stuff. Somebody posted a picture, and it's so silly. But I want you to be the kind of person who looks for liberation and moments of beauty in everything. And for me, this is crazy, but for me, somebody posted a picture of a Dairy Queen. Now, I think we've all experienced spiritual revolution. Dairy Queen. But anyway, <laughs> he said to the blizzard, peace be still. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. There's a picture of the weird Dairy Queen Orange Julius hybrid in the rundown mall. And it reminded me of a very important day in my life. Now, you know the story. When I met Jenny, I'm not going to tell the whole story. It's a long story. But she walked into church, and it wasn't like the movies. It was just like, oh, there she is. There's my friend. Where you been? And we did church and all of that. And then after church, during coffee hour, we were all talking. And I realized that the things, the tried and true things that you say to girls were not coming out of my mouth. I don't really remember much of what I said, but I remember that the stuff you're supposed to say was not being said. And I asked her to lunch, and she said no. And I gotta tell you, she said, I have to work. And there was a part of me that went, yeah. 
you gotta work. Because a girl like this, she's gotta be you know, dating the captain of the, the water swim polo wrestling football team. You know, whatever, people drown, but it's beautiful to watch. Anyway, <laughs> girl like that, you know, come on, no way. But something amazing happened for me because I didn't care. It wasn't like, oh, there's other fish in the sea because there's not like that. It wasn't that. It wasn't all forget her anyway because I just didn't care. I just realized in that moment, I love this person and I, it doesn't matter if she's with me or not. There's no, I have no agenda. And my buddy, seeing that I was not there anymore, said, come on, let's go get you some ice cream. And so there I was in front of that dairy queen, me and Jeff. And I was standing there, and I vividly remember not really understanding what ice cream was anymore. It was just gone. And I've not been the same since. I have my days when I really remember and days when I don't. But there was that moment where the me of me, the me that I thought was important, my needs and whatever else, gone. Just gone. People ask me, they say, you know, I want to fall in love, whether it's with a person or with a job, with a situation. I want to find that love. And I say, do you? Because love is a consuming fire. When you really love, once again, it doesn't have to be romantic necessarily. When you love anything, there's no you left. You know that you're really doing this. You know that you're really on the path. Well, you're not talking about my needs anymore. Jesus said, don't you think God knows what you need before you ask? Maybe stop worrying about that and start trying to be who you really are. Oh. So people say, I want to fall in love. And I say, do you? Because it's a lot. And those moments when there's just no me. Oh, thank God for those moments. However they come. Whether or not there's a dip cone involved. Doesn't matter. Thank God for those moments, easy or hard. Thank God for those moments where the truth is just the truth and it doesn't really matter. I want you to know that your ability to experience joy is 100% connected to your ability to identify with the happening instead of with the stability. If you try to hold still, you stop feeling joy every time. And the child in you says, come on, are we there yet? Let's move on. Let's keep going. And thank God for those moments, those heroes that we have who remind us that we are not a body. We are not a credit rating. We are not a job. We're not even a relationship. Thank God for those moments when we realize that we are a going. And not even a going to because that implies a destination. That implies an ending. And God is infinity itself. You're not even going to. You are a going through. And when you know it, you will keep going through whatever it is. And something will look like a barrier not to you. Thank God for those heroes who remind us that where we're going, we don't need roads. Thank God for those heroes that take us to another place. Thank God. You ever see that, that the, the Willy Wonka movie, the first one, the good one? <laughs> Biased. When Charlie thinks that he's won and he gets the chocolate factory and he's in the elevator and Willy Wonka says, no, 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 up and out. It wasn't even what he thought. Thank God for the heroes that remind us up and out. Because what a hero does is they say to you whether you can handle it or not, because there are some people that don't do nice things to heroes. We just had Easter. A hero is somebody who says what you thought you were isn't even the what you thought was important is meaningless compared with this love and this beauty and this truth in your heart. 
Thank God for those moments when somebody says, you don't have to be what you thought. A long time ago, my son was probably four, I'm going to say, and his little buddy Alex was over at our house, and Miles and Alex were messing up. I can say that with authority because that's all they ever did. I can't believe the house did burn down. And they were doing something, and it was so extreme that we had to put Miles in time out. And I don't know if the formula has changed because Miles is going to be 20 now, but it used to be the formula was one minute for every year. So Miles was four, that's four minutes in the cooler. And you sit down, four minutes. And that's a hard four minutes, man, because children move. And Miles' buddy Alex was just kind of vibrating around him and doing all this stuff. And Alex came up to him and he said, Miles, the next time they try to put you in timeout, don't go. <laughs> just don't go. And it was like somebody discovered a new favorite restaurant or split the atom or unlocked the code of DNA. It was this moment of my son realized, wait a minute, there's no seatbelt. There's no physical restraint. I can just go. Well, that was the last day Miles was ever put in time. Someone will come along to remind you, you know that thing you think is holding you down? You chose that. You decided it. You bought into some set of rules that just ain't the truth about you. Just don't go. There is a different part of you. Someone will show you the way. That is just the tip of the iceberg of what Jesus was talking about. The I am is the way out of this. It used to be that what we thought was success just still kept us in that corral, spinning around and spinning around. There are so many self-help books that will teach you how to run better and corner better within that. But until success doesn't mean I get my way, until it means, okay, God, what do you got? What, what should I do? How can I help? How can I serve? Ah, oh, that's when the breakthrough happens. Now, we've had some other questions before. We asked, who do you think you are? We've asked, what do you want? We've asked, what do you see? The question today is, what can you release? Really, what can you let go of and still be you? I want you to think on that question this week because your answers might surprise you. What can you let go of and still be you? What can you release? That answer is going to set you free. We begin to realize that, you know what? I've got stuff. I've got money stuff and love life stuff and job stuff and financial stuff. i got stuff. i got weather stuff. PTSD from last year's hurricane, whatever it is, I got stuff. But those are circumstances. And if I let circumstances define me, I will never get to the next level of my life. I will continue to orbit the same meaningless garbage. We get to that moment where we realize, I'm not defined by my circumstances because I was me before that thing happened. I was me before Jim Cantori told me to go get bottled water. I was me before that. And I'm going to be me after. The truth about me is so much bigger. I'm not dealing with circumstances anymore. I'm dealing with spirit. I am not this body, this life, this money. I am a happening. And we begin to realize as we buy into that idea that the word happening comes from the same root as the word happiness. Did you know that? A happy person is someone who's moving. That's how the word works. And that's how the world works. It is time to choose it is time to stop waiting for life to happen to us. No more waiting. You happen to your life. That is the path to happiness. And that is the path to freedom. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you.
So I loved at the top of your service when you asked, when you see that door, when you picture a door, what do you see? And whether or not you see the door closed. And when I, and I absolutely do. And that for me was such a profound moment because I was like, well, duh, you know, <laughs> and, and really mine to be, to be quite like honest. You sort of made up and you visualized a door. I visualized a door and it was absolutely closed. But you remember when you used to draw houses as a little kid sure. and you used to do the windows and they had the crosses in yeah, them. Yeah, just a square and, and Just a square and then and you, four. yeah, 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 exactly. And then you would draw the door and it, mm-hmm. that's the door that I picture in my mind's eye. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's not even maybe more of a physical door or something like that, but that is the image that, that came up for me. And it was... You never draw a, a door on a house that's open. Right. Isn't and that I thought, funny? wow, that was really cool. It was really, that's that's absolutely what kind of stuck with me this morning. It was like, okay, that if you're the door and are you open? Mm-hmm. And I loved that so much because I think I'm a pretty visual person anyway. And if I can hang on to something that reminds me, you know, a lot of people might have totems that on the outside, mm-hmm. but for me, it's stories An and, and yeah. And visual visualization of things that I can go, okay, nope, that's, that's your, you know, you're closing the door again. Well, and that was a little bit of a test and it was kind of interesting because I'm always so blessed to get to stand in front of the people who come to Water and Stone on a Sunday. First of all, I want to take a moment and say, I am so happy. The direction that the church is going in is just so beautiful. There's such fellowship and connection. Everybody knows everybody. And and I really hope that we can continue that. The church is growing, so it's going to be, I am, of course, interested in the church growing, but even more than thinking about numbers and how big the room is and all that, those things will handle themselves. I want to make sure that no matter how big we get, we continue to foster that spirit of family and togetherness. But anyway, I got to be in front of these beautiful people. And when I said that, when you imagine a door, what does it look like? Is it closed? I could see how many people nodding their heads. Okay, yeah, I do see it closed. You know, those, there was, I could, I got to tell you that the overwhelming majority of people visualize a closed door. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist. I think there's probably a lot of reasons for that. But one of the things I think, I think we live in a culture that is so fixated on finish lines and destinations that is so scared of going through and being in transition that of course we're conditioned to see it as a stopping point. Sure. When when you think about how silly that is because the point of a door is, is to, to go allow through entry. Yeah, yeah. Because if you didn't want anybody in, you wouldn't build a door, you build a wall. Right. You know, the point of a door is going through. And it is such a funny thing that I think nine out of ten people probably think of a closed door. But what you think about, and this is something I talked about a little bit today, but in one way or another we kind of touch on it every every week because it's it's fundamental. What you see doesn't change God, but it absolutely conditions your experience, right? So if you see a closed door, part of what that can mean is that you're closed off to that next thing, that transition that you need to go through. Mm -hmm. I also love that we are on this question stuff you know mm-hmm. if you if you have if you don't know the questions from the past go back and listen to a previous podcast in a previous service but we're on question number four and mm-hmm. the question that you posed to everybody today was what can you release yeah and I love that so much because 
we are, like you said, we're conditioned by culture to hang on to stuff. Yeah. And, and not just physical stuff, although that is part of it. It's, I think the more material things you have, I think that you, you know, whether they're good, bad, or in between, you, you tend to think you're more prosperous. Yeah, absolutely. If you, you know, I got my stuff. And it's so funny because we've been doing a, we've been doing a fundraiser, or not a fundraiser, but a, a clothing drive for mm-hmm. St. Vincent de Paul. Yeah. And we have been specifically asking for men's clothing so that they can go and the job men, interviews. Yeah, the men like can that. go and, and get jobs. And so we've been doing, you know, new socks and new underwears and belts and, you know, people have been giving shirts and pants of all different and sizes over the last four weeks. And I gave away a boatload yeah, you of did. stuff from my yeah, closet. And it, it felt really good to do. Yeah. I'll be honest, cleaning up my closet, I never like doing it because I my, my closet, I, I'm blessed to have a big closet. But what happens is I'm in a hurry. I'm changing clothes. I'm going from wearing shorts because I'm at home during the day to putting on some jeans to go out or whatever it is. And so oftentimes it is the end of a frantic moment, and so I just throw stuff in there. So it has become, and it will continue to become, a, a place of crazy acquisition and things not being thought about. And so it was an exercise, but it felt so good to get rid of stuff. One of the things that I wanted to bring up in the talk, but it just didn't have a place to land, you know. But one of the images that I had in my head as I was preparing the lesson was a. Uh, Mar- uh, Steve Martin in The Jerk when he's leaving his wife she right. kind of kicks him out all I need is this this thermos and yeah, this, this robe remote and this chair and this chair and, yeah. and the so, dog yeah. and, and, it's, and it just keeps building and building and building and you need more and more things and I know enough about Steve Martin to know that that whole thing was very deliberate that there's a little bit of commentary on what makes us us mm-hmm and so for so many people, it's so acquisitive. We get this ball of junk around us so big that we can't fit through the door anyway. And that's precisely what we need to do. If our job is to be a happening, as I said in the service, to be in touch with the becoming instead of what you are, what you were, what you're going to be, but rather to be in touch with the moment of transition, of process, that um, we're, our job is to fit through the doorway. Right. And we hang on to so many things that keep us from moving through. And I got to say to a lot of people, that's really scary. If I say, okay, for you to get to this growth place, you got to let go of some stuff. Well, I think just speaking for me, my identity for me, obviously it has morphed and transformed and changed as I get older. And you know, I'm not who I thought I was when I was 16. Thank God. Of course. But there are some things about me that maybe, you know, are not so great, but I kind of like as part of my identity. But if I'm going to get to the other side of this, if I'm going to get closer to what God wants for me, closer to prosperity, you know, all of that, I have to be willing to to leave that, to leave my baggage and just go. Right. You know, it harkens back to sort of even the idea of, you know, the Garden of Eden. It's like, here I am, I got nothing, and everything will be provided for me. But when you start hanging on to that stuff and you start piling all the junk on and what you think you need and 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 who you think you are and how you identify yourself and what roles you play and whether you're a control freak or whether you, you know, you're a hothead or whether you're tough or a fighter or, 
whatever it is, you know, sure. whatever you identify it's as. It's fun to have the labels. It's Absolutely. Fun to, it's well, fun to cast yourself like you're casting a movie and I'm playing the part of the, the sassy best friend or well, I'm sure. the hero protagonist or I'm whatever. Sure. And so if you're, or, or even, you know, the damsel in distress, yep. it's like there's, you know, I, I know people like that and, and gender aside, there's, there's always quote unquote, a damsel in Someone distress. Someone who needs to be rescued. Mm-hmm. And it is, I, I know people too that, that the 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 way that they have wired up the relationships and especially whatever like usually it's the one big relationship like let's say the marriage the that kind of relationship the way they've wired it up is this person maybe doesn't pay attention to me unless i have a problem right and so it has become this is the method of communication we can't talk unless i got something to fix and we want to talk and so we go through this little dance of fixer and fixee and this whole thing but at the end of the day what you're really orbiting is a state of brokenness Mm -hmm. and so you stay on that hamster Mm -hmm. wheel and you kind of get attached to the identity so then when we say hey you can't fix this anymore well then what the heck am i supposed to do then who am i and you go through that entire transition. But so I love the question about what can you release? And I think that there's there's some things that I need to release. And I think I know exactly what they are um, to, to get me to the next level. There's a lot that I was thinking about today about I'm in a I'm in a position in my life where I really want to get to the next level in some areas. Sure. And I'm not sure how to get there. I don't know the direction. I don't know if I have what it takes to do it. And yet I realized today that in order to get there, I have to leave all of those assumptions behind and just move forward and do the thing that I love to do and let all of that stuff take care of itself. Because the thing is, God knows that God has what it takes. Right. And so... It, this becomes a trust exercise, like a trust fall in a ropes course. This is a matter of stepping into the unknown. And unless and until we can step into that unknown moment where faith lives, into the moment of being in process, unless and until we can step into that, all we're doing is getting better at doing the same things, running faster in, in the playground instead of getting out into the real world, so to speak. I mean, I think that the, the spectrum of spirituality is there's just me me and my needs, let's say my stuff. And there, there's nothing you know bad about that, but it's just, it's a limited experience. And then there's this, the next level out is there's me and God. So I'm able to communicate with my higher power about what I need and want and how that works better, bigger, but still not the whole deal. And then there's a level where it's God and me. In other words, I'm listening more than I'm talking and I'm open to something. And that's where real breakthroughs start to happen. And unfortunately, I think that's where people want to stop sometimes. But the truth is, there's another level where there's just God. And I'm not talking about an obliteration of the self. You're here and you're here for a reason and you're here to do good in the world and to grow through and to welcome other people through the door. There's beautiful things about why you're here, but when we really do this, it's not my stuff anymore. I am a pure channel for love happening, love with the capital L, let's say, happening in my world. And that means I really got out of the way. This is the they who have seen me have seen the Father moment. This is that moment where I have really gotten out of the way. And that's kind of the goal. This has to do with stepping out on faith, really, to where the me of me, the lowercase m, I don't know what's going to happen next. 
But getting to a place where that's okay is such a huge victory. But the funny thing is, it's something that we've already done. Everybody has been a child. And just like I said in the talk, you know what it feels like to know for sure that you're more than this moment. Because every kid is very comfortable with that idea. I know that I'm eventually going to grow into the whatever it is. I know that I'm not this moment. I am the process. Kids are 100% comfortable with that. And I don't know why we poison adults with this idea that you're supposed to be a stability instead of an action. But it happens for whatever reason. And, you know, we can, we can source it back to, I don't know, Calvinism, capitalism, all kinds of C words, right? But it doesn't really matter why. The question becomes, what are we going to do about it? And people go, I don't know how to be that way. And my point is, I suppose, you've already done it before. When you were a kid, you did it. All you need to do is find something that gives you that childlike feeling of abandon. And it, it doesn't matter what. But there's something captivating and powerful and beautiful about going, I don't need these things to tell me who I am anymore. And the story I told in my talk was, was one of those moments. For me, it's the moment I knew for sure that I was in love and nothing mattered. And it wasn't, it wasn't nihilistic. It's just like, no, we're good. And sometimes that moment happens in a beautiful, sweet way like that. And sometimes it happens because things are just so bad that your old answers can't, can't touch it. They can't work anymore. Okay. One way or the other, there's a real beauty to that moment of, you know what, where I have to go, this old garbage can't come along. check it out and this is the part of the podcast where we let you know how you can get in touch with us what's going on through the church what we're up to where you can meet us all of it yada 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 (laughs) yada 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 and the best way to find out about all that yada 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 is to go to our website waterandstonechurch.com when you go there you can find a calendar of events maps and directions to everything we're doing you can save it to your google calendar share it with people all that kind of stuff there's also a lot of other really good things i wrote a blog post about why we have families and children in the sanctuary on sunday morning that has gotten a lot of response people have really been talking about it and sharing it we've got an inclusivity policy there that explains how we feel about that kind of thing there's a manifesto that talks about why we're doing anything And there's all kinds of amazing stuff, but go to the calendar. And also, if you scroll to the bottom of any page of waterandstonechurch.com, you can find links to all of our social network accounts, Facebook and Twitter and and, uh, YouTube and And Instagram Instagram and just everything. And we are really, really active, and it's such a great way to be a part of the community. So once again, let waterandstonechurch.com be a jumping off point for this journey. Right. So there's just a couple of things that I want to remind people about. And I'm just going to speed through these because, again, you can find all of this information on our website or on our Facebook page. So Wednesday mornings at 720s, we have our sunrise morning walks. I'm not even tell you where they are because <laughs> you go and look it up. But come and join us. We, we walk for about a half an hour, get some coffee, walk for another half hour on the way back. It's lovely just to be out there. It's a nice way to to meet the middle of the week with some celebration and it just kind of, it literally gets you over the hump yeah. of the middle of the week. It's really wonderful. And the people at the coffee shop we go to 
just so great. It's the yeah. same place I pick up the coffee on Sunday mornings. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's neat to go in there. The great people, great coffee, great experience. Absolutely. We also have our Sunday sunset celebrations. And that happens about a half an hour to 40 minutes before the sun goes down. We meet at St. Pete Beach. Again, if you're interested in going, please look up at the, look for the map on the website. You'll be able to find us. We hope that you can join us because it's a lovely way to put one week to bed and get ready to start the next one. We also have men and women's circles. The men's circle meets on Tuesday evenings at 7 and the women's circle meets at 7 p.m. on Thursday. And I have to say the men and women's groups has become such a huge part of the family, the tribe building activity. I wouldn't have thought it. But it is just such a powerful thing. I may have mentioned this, but I had a plan a long time ago that sometime, you know, five years down the road or something, we'll start having these kind of small groups. But there was such a demand for it, and it has become such an important part of everybody's week, such an important part of life. There is just such a community of brotherhood and sisterhood and love and support. It's just really, really beautiful. So if you feel the desire to be a part of that, you'll be glad you did. Come contact us though, because they meet at people's houses. And so it's different all the time, but it's always seven o'clock on Tuesdays for the fellas and seven o'clock on Thursdays for the ladies. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. There is one thing though, that I want to spend a little bit more time on, and that is our YouTube channel. Please go and subscribe. There is some amazing shows on there. There's amazing content. Go through. You could spend hours and hours and hours just learning what we're all about, learning some amazing recipes from this day, learning some amazing techniques. Like there is a whole section about how to pray, and it's so beautiful. And there's a whole section about just what we're about and the whole church and everything. And there are some old Sunday services um, that Dieter has done uh, on Sunday mornings, obviously the Sunday worship <laughs> services. But um, now the podcast is the only place that you can get the audio the of it. The full audio, yeah. Right, but the YouTube gives you just some amazing There's like a five to stuff, ten minute snippet right? of from now on, and we've been doing it for a couple of weeks now, but the idea is if you want the full talk, you either come see us on a Sunday morning or you listen to the podcast, which is what you're doing right now, of course. But what we're putting on the YouTube channel from my talks is a five to 10 minute clip, sort of the best of. And we wanted that to be something you could just hit and get a sense of what we're talking about. Hopefully an uplifting message that you can get and go. It's sort of the grab and go version of our talk. But obviously it's just sort of scratching the surface, but it's just really nice to have that moment. But along with the the, the highlights of the Sunday talk, I gotta say once again, you already mentioned it, but the this day, Uh, video series is just so amazing and you can find this day also on the new thought channel and everything else it has just become sort of the superstar of our youtube channel but just as you said it's really important that people subscribe to the channel first of all it's the only way to make sure you're getting the new videos and we put out a lot of videos but also when you subscribe it lets the powers that be at youtube know that there's an audience for this it makes the algorithm such that people are promoting the the videos that we put out the channel gets even more of an audience and so it's a great way to help what we do all you got to do is click that subscribe button it's easy it's fast it's free of course so please do that for us go to youtube and click that subscribe button but the very best way to connect with all of the beautiful people that are now a part of water and stone is to come on a sunday morning 
we are meeting at USF Harbor Hall, USF St. Pete Harbor Hall, and the address there is 1000 Third Street South, and we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. And I got to tell you, it is absolutely transformational. Sunday service today, we had a tropical storm go through, and so people were braving the weather, but the people who came, just it was just so beautiful that people make this a part of their weekend and a part of their lives. It's very cool. But if you can't get there, another way that you can stay connected with us is to text I am ready, I A M R E A D Y. That's all one one word. word, All one word to 84576. And that'll just give you a couple of text messages during the week to let you know what's up, keep you in contact with us. It's a nice little messaging service, and you won't be sorry if you go and sign up. This podcast is recorded at Pin Feather Studios on the Comfy Orange Couch. And the CEO of Pin Feather Studios is the handsome and strong Raina Randolph. She's the leader of our band on Sunday mornings. She's one half of the music that you hear, and she is amazing. The other half is the equally amazing and lovely and talented Miles Randolph. They put together all the music, and boy, I'm so glad they do. This podcast is solely supported by you. And there's a page on our website when you go to waterandstonechurch.com. There's a donate page that explains how you can give electronically, how you can shop at amazon.com in such a way that it helps support the church at no extra charge to you. It explains a lot of ways that you can come and serve and just be a part of what we're doing. So please go do that. But I got to tell you, the ways to help support us don't stop there. Please share the podcast, tell somebody, like it on Facebook, retweet it, do whatever, print it out and share it, email a link to somebody. It really helps. If you're listening, then it means that this podcast is helping you. It can certainly help somebody else. You can write a five-star review on iTunes because that helps promote us to an even larger audience. But the most important thing you can do is show up. Show up for one of our men's groups or women's groups, for one of our sunrises or sunsets. We got the whole calendar covered. Be there with us when we do one of our amazing service projects, and we got another good one coming up pretty soon. Most of all, be there with us on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. There's always something amazing going on. There's friends and family like I've never seen in any church before, and this is just the beginning. All that we're missing is you.